Tobias, welcome once again to the Urban Gardening Food and Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Tobias Gunning and here we are once again on episode four. Uh, there's been plenty happening in the garden since we last chatted and I'll catch you up on those events after I chat with our two guests. So first up we'll have the Gnomes aka Martin Matthews and Jay Maguire. I met up with them down in DCU to chat about their great work in the garden. Following on from that I chat with Christina Katona about maintaining a plant-based diet. However, before that, we're, here's some top tips for tending your flowers and the garden in June and July. This is a great time for repotting houseplants and, pl- and planting annual flowers like nasturtiums. You're also now at the optimal time for planting vegetables like beans, cabbages, tomatoes, lettuce, peas, cabbage, peppers, cucumbers and carrots. If you planted early potatoes, have a look now and see if they're ready or if they need shoring up. Mixed edible salad leaves like baby spinach, rocket and watergrass should also be ready for picking and eating. And if you're lucky, you should have plenty of runners coming off your strawberry plants, which can which you can cut and put straight back into the into the bed to inhabit and extend your strawberries beds and finally if your tomatoes are beginning to appear on this on the plants it's time to start giving them a feed every week or so is ideal we're here we're here down on a down in dcu on the campus and it's it's a really really nice day and, and i'm sitting here with martin matches and jay mcguire uh, the garden market gnomes and uh, they're doing absolutely superb work down here. They've grown all their own stuff and they've agreed to have a little chat with me and tell me kind of what's what. So I'm gonna 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 uh, talk to Jay first and I'm gonna say, I'm just gonna ask Jay like briefly to kind of give me a little bit uh, of background on, on what is, uh, you know, what his workload is like for today and what he's kind of working on. Um, yeah. Yeah, so today we'll be planting out some courgettes, some uh, some fennel, Super. celery, lettuce, and beetroot. Wow, nice. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to get the beds prepped and ready for them. Loads so of herbs and flowers. Loads of herbs and flowers. Yeah. And tell me, uh, tell me, Jay, like, uh, what does that involve? Like, I, I looked, you you were pointing out some. You gave me a really nice tour around the facility, but you were pointing out to me the soil that arrived, and I, I've never seen soil like that before. It's like talk about black gold. That stuff was just like looks like kind of rocket fuel for yeah. plants like what what is that what kind of soil is that and, and what's so, the gig with it so we get our compost uh, delivered in from a company called Enrich and they're mm. the only certified organic compost in Ireland um, nice so we use that as an, a type of an amendment to the beds that we, we've been preparing for the last six, six seven years um, and what um, does what does what does it like? How is it like? Do you when you plant when you do that bit of planting today? Would you like? Is it is it massively different using that kind of soil? Yeah. So um, it, it it helps bind the soil basically together. Um, it's it helps promote. Um, what's the word? Uh, biological activity in the soil. Okay. Nice. So yeah. The, um, it you you also use some seaweed dust and and. and chicken pellets as, as an amendment to the soil to, to make sure that there's enough fertility in the bed for the plant to survive. Lovely because that's the biggest issue I think for all the urban gardeners out there that's the biggest issue that people forget that you have to feed the, fo- the mm. soil. Yeah well you if know? you don't feed the soil like you're going to have an unhealthy plant and if you have an unhealthy plant you there's no point in selling food, is there? Sure, sure. And so, like, like I know from eating your produce in the past that the taste is is absolutely it's in it's in. There's no comparison mm. to like to the other stuff of taste yeah. it, you know. So, like, what will you like when you're planting today? What will that consist of? Will you put just straight into the ground? Have you prepared the beds in the yeah, past, so or what, what's happening there? Are you re- taking them out of pots or polytunnels, or what's going yeah, on? Yeah. So what we done was uh, over when, when did we start? In November was it? We we put the compost on the beds. 
Yeah, so we started them in, uh, we started them, start preparing the soil in autumn. So yeah, it's best to give the organic matter enough time to break down. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah. So then once, once we, uh, we took the tarps off, um, one, today what we'll be doing is we'll be broad forking the bed, so it's a wide, wide stance fork, so you have to use two feet to get it into the ground. Nice, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. Only open up the soil just a little bit, just to get the aeration into the subsoil. Then we'll add in our amendments, our chicken pellets and our, our seaweed dust, and then we'll uh, we'll tilt the beds, the, til the, the machine that we have is uh, called a tilter. So yeah. we'll only tilt the first two inches of the soil, so it'll give you a nice crumbly uh, topsoil. Okay. So Perfect for sewing into bits. Ah, excellent. So, like, if you were to to the to all the other gardeners out there, like, you know, they wouldn't be kind of probably at this level of growing. Like, what would be your kind of top tip for like feeding your soil if you're doing a bit of balcony gardening or if you, if you're in an allotment? What would be like? Would you would you would you go? Would you say like seaweed, dried seaweed would be the best? Or yeah, is there any other out, tips? Yeah, go out, get some seaweed. Um, <laughs> Spend a bit of money and get some chicken pellets. Yeah, the best thing you can get. Yeah, do you reckon that you recommend yeah. the chicken pellets? Cool. Yeah, really recommend them. Yeah. Okay, nice one. Okay, well I'm gonna go over to uh, Martin, uh, Martin Matthews, and I'm gonna like ask Martin like to tell us a bit more about what's happening here and like to, to kind of describe the facility to the listeners. You know what what's like what's out there in the ground. Like how many tunnels have you got? Like how many beds? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. I just like to uh, add a part of what Jay was saying there. Yeah. For people that are growing at home, uh, preparation is key. You know. Mm. Uh, prepare what you need to do in advance and uh, give it enough time patience as well preparation patience and uh, once you have that in, uh, in place then you'll, you'll succeed yeah, but, don't be um, afraid to make mistakes yeah don't be afraid to make mistakes uh, so trial yeah. and error isn't it that's it yeah. You, you know. yeah and ask questions don't be afraid to ask questions yeah. we're, we're always open as well like people can contact us on our uh, Facebook page uh, it's well, facebook.com forward slash market gnomes and ask us any questions. And, and you're on Instagram as well, aren't you? On Instagram as well. <laughs> Instagram.com forward slash market gnomes. So yeah, contact us anytime if anybody needs any answers. Uh, Have you done any videos questions. on YouTube or anything? No, but we are sitting down at the drawing board. We're at a point now where we can start doing videos and we're going to do detailed videos and broad spectrum videos just to share what we're doing, open up what we're doing more and get more information out. And you're looking to do workshops as well, like yeah, uh, educational-based yeah. workshops, practical workshops around gardening. And Absolutely, stuff. that'd be brilliant, yeah. you know. And you come out to the facility and do that. Yeah. Okay. And tell us, so like, describe to the listeners a little bit what's what what, what what's the environment, what's the setting here, because it looks it's just amazing. Like. Yeah. So we're in a we're in a kind of a dog leg kind of area. That's what we call, that's what we call it. The shape is is a dog leg. So it's it's nestled between a housing estate. Uh, the back of a school and say the old farm here in uh, on in Glasnevin. So we've got 1.6 acres overall. We're growing on about a quarter acre, wow. and on that quarter acre we've got two polytunnels, and then we've got about uh, say in total about 100 beds. That's what we call them. So they're about 80 centimeters wide and about 15 meters long, or 30 inches wide and 50 feet long. So we have a standardized system here, which is which I would recommend to everybody to grow in a standardized system. I know I know people like to do their, their, their flower beds and stuff. That's great, you know, the ornamentals. Uh, definitely go with your gut and anything like that. But in terms of producing vegetables, go with a standardized system uh, because it's modular then. All, it's going to save you money with, say, if you're buying netting, it's going to be the same length. It's going to be the same width. Yeah. If you're going to be uh, using irrigation, it's easy to plan and stuff like that. So the systems that we use would be applicable for a homestead or a commercial system so it's it has a broad appeal but uh, that's the kind of that's the system in a nutshell we're, like we said we're quarter acre 
Yeah. And they were growing a wide variety of crops. Like. like what kind of stuff have you got on the go? I mean, I saw, I'm looking out the door here at the onions and garlics that Jay showed me earlier and it's amazing. And I saw, yeah, yeah, some, yeah. I saw some really nice chard and some potatoes. Yeah. And Jay brought me in and showed me the five different types of tomatoes you're growing. Yeah. And you've got yeah. some basil going on. And then I, I saw the ginger up in the other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other shed. And it was like hazelnut trees, grapes. Yeah. Uh, and like loads of different types of herbs and salads. Yeah. yeah. Like I'd, I'd love if we had an hour to discuss all of this stuff. Yeah, like we're me use, too. We're using techniques that have been developed over the last one hundred years. And like, tell us a bit more about that, Martin. The techniques. Yeah. yeah. So specifically, again, like, so the techniques they used to use, I think it was in Cuba, when they had the uh, embargo there, where they couldn't get any fresh produce in or anything like that. So what they done was they made permanent raised beds closer to the city, so they were called like perma beds. Yeah. And they would be made out of concrete, and they'd fill them with compost, and they grow salad leaves. Um, and that's kind of similar to what we're doing. We're in the centre of the city here, you know, we're only in Glasnevin. Yeah. So we're specialising there in a, in a salad leaf that we can get to farmers markets and restaurants and stuff like that. And that's why that's one of the reasons why our produce and our salads taste better. It's because we're closer, it's fresher, and it's it's more local, you know. And what about your microgreens? Like? The mi- yeah, the microgreens again, the same idea as the salad leaves. Like we cut them and then within fucking forty eight hours, you know, they're out at the market. How healthy are they for you? Um, the microgreens are probably one of the healthiest things you can eat, specifically uh, broccoli. Like that's up to forty times more nutritious than wow. say a head of broccoli, like wow. like gram for gram, and it's high in sulforaphane and all sorts of phytonutrients. So they're great for you know reducing chances of getting cancers. They're great for your overall well-being. They're bioavailable form. Like they're not easy to grow. That's a, a definite craft going on here. Is what I'm picking up. Like you, this yeah, is an art form. This place. This is a skill. Yeah. Mm. If, if you want to learn this and you want to do it on a scale and you want to have it every week, it is a skill. This is an unrealized apprenticeship. Yeah. There should be an apprenticeship for this stuff. Hundred percent. I would be definitely in favor of pushing that. Yeah. Because you can learn all of the skills and then you have to learn how to run a business. That's why we use the term market farm. So there is a bit of um, there's a bit of both there. You know, you've got to be able to have strengths in both areas, farming. And business. And when you think of the yellow ones over in Italy uh, making knead in the bread and the daughter's in there and she's tagging, hanging out with the mother's apron strings, it's it becomes intergenerational knowledge. Yeah. Part yeah. Of, the other part of that is passing that knowledge on to the next generation. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's what we're all about here. So we're in an urban setting, so we're in the, the centre of the city. Like I said, we're in Glasnevin. Yeah. And our style can be, a, it could be an allotment or it could be a large-scale commercial farm. But at the core of it, we have like a triple underlying kind of principle, you know? Obviously, it has to make business sense. Yeah. It has to work for the community and it has to work for the environment. So every decision that we make, we have to make sure we're ticking off these three boxes. Yeah, yeah. So so if it's working for the home grower and it's working for the commercial grower, it's scalable, it's in uh, equilibrium with the environment. And again, we can pass on this information uh, to people. So it can be in a professional sense where we do workshops or it could be a farm then as a family and they pass it on sure, to their kids sure. and stuff like that. Tell us the information it, is, yeah. is applicable to everything and uh, it's it's solid gold information. Nice one. Tell us a bit about what we were talking. Just uh, we were talking there outside. It was it wasn't biodiverse farming. It's biodynamic. Yeah. There's, Tell there's, us a bit about that and the other yeah. uh, far, farmer thing you mentioned. The that kind of old knowledge. Yeah, yeah. So there's many different there's many mm. different aspects to farming. You know, and the, the the number one thing that you want to take away from this is it's the circumstances that you find yourself in. Yeah. Um. It's it's the um. It's the circumstances. What's this? There's another word for it. It doesn't matter, anyways. But whatever yeah. system you find yourself working with, so you're working with a clay soil, you're going to be adding this, say, sand. If you're working with a, a sandy soil, you're going to be adding clay and organic matter to hold on to that. So you're context. going to be working the context. That's the word. Thank you. So you're going to be working within the context. So whatever system works 
having a broad spectrum understanding of all of these things is what gives you the tools to analyze the yeah. situation and say, this is what I need to work with. So I mentioned the things like the uh, biodynamics. Uh, what is that? What is that? Like so, for the listeners? It, we, it's not something that we use, but we are aware of it and we can use it. So yeah. it's planting in harmony with the, the natural cycles of, say, planetary bodies or the natural cycles of the planet. Yeah. So on a particular and the day. the moon. Yeah, and the moon as well. So like these things... The moon and the sun and stuff like that, they influence the planet. Like we, we go to sleep at night, we wake up in the morning. People don't yeah. understand that our circadian rhythms yeah. are, are, you know, heavily dependent on sunlight and that, you know, so we, we remove ourselves from nature. Because we're only an evolved plant ourselves, basically, aren't we? Yeah, like you know? we've got so many things going on in our systems that we're unaware of. But once you start kind of living more in harmony with the natural systems, you start to become stronger. Your, your immune system gets boosted. It's, you know, you start getting fitter. And that's just by getting up and getting out into the garden, you know. So what I hear you saying is that start, you're emphasizing that kind of symbiotic relationship yeah, that we yeah. have with the planet, yeah. you know. So when we're working in yeah. unison with the seasons and we're working in using, in unison with, you know, um, you know, the light and, and yeah. the days, the short days and the long days yeah, and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Like we're, we're in our element. We're doing what we're meant to be doing, you yeah. know. And, and hence, like our immune system gets a yeah, massive boost. Yeah. Look, there's microbes in there that is great for your um, your biochemistry, you know, which makes which improves your mood. There's that's right. Like a dirty yeah. child is a happy child. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's microbes in there that's going to improve your... Um, your gut biome there, you know? So we are intrinsically linked to the soil. We're intrinsically linked to the environment. And once we start kind of taking ourselves out of that situation, that's when we start having all sorts of problems, yeah. not only in yeah. the environment, but within ourselves. Yeah. You know, we spend too long indoors. We spend too long on computers, like the blue light there messes up your circadian rhythm. Yeah. Uh, there's so many things that mess up your, your biochemistry. So just getting out into the garden, even if you're not aware of all the processes, just get out and, and plant something. Yeah. Because there's so nice many one. unconscious things going on there. Yeah. The act, the simple act alone, is going to give you more benefits than you you probably will ever understand. Like I'm only still learning. Nice one, right? Listen, thanks for that. Um, I'm going to go back to Jay and uh, give Jay the last word here because I'm kind of interested to know, uh, like, like I'd like to kind of. Jay, I'd like you to kind of tell me a little bit about like the benefits you found from working here over the last six years. And I mean, I don't just mean the benefits of all the free veg and fruit oh, yeah. and stuff, but like how, how it's how it's helped or how it's, you know, how it's impacted mm. you as a person and your own human and personal uh, and professional development. Oh, yeah. And like I, I like like everybody, like you always go through, you always, everybody has their ups and downs. But when you're when you're out in this, out yeah. messing with the soil, my favorite part of the year is digging spuds. Yeah. And once you get down into digging the spuds, you, you go back to that childlike state of actually jumping into monkey puddles. And ah, I totally down. identify so you, with it, that. You, it really helps not only with the mental aspect of it, it, it helps with, like, I love getting muck on my hands. I love, I hate wearing gloves. Never wash, yeah. I never wash my hands. <laughs> <laughs> you know, cut that. <laughs> um, no, I, I, like I said, I love digging the spuds and that, that really helps me, me like mental health with. So it, not only, it, it's great for, for, for being active and being out in the pressure and breathing and everything else, but the mental health aspect of it, it just being outside is major. Because it's like forest bathing down here. Exactly, it's like one yeah. big tree bath. Yeah, you, exactly. Like you're surrounded yeah, by them. Yeah. Okay, lads. Well, listen, thanks very much for that. I'm going to kind of leave it there because we're on nearly on 14 minutes. Uh, thanks a million for, for showing me around the farm. And uh, I look forward to chatting to you again. You're welcome down anytime, boys. Take care. Thanks. You're listening to the Urban Gardening Food and Wellbeing Podcast with Tobias Gunning. 
Hi, uh, we're here in uh, Trinity College, Dublin, in the city centre, and, and I'm sitting here with Christina Katona, and uh, she's very kindly agreed to talk to me uh, about veganism and about being becoming a vegan and the whole kind of journey and and you know the logistics involved in in a vegan maintaining a vegan diet. You know, so it's kind of really interesting, you know, to hear uh, the perspective of a vegan because it's not, you know, it's not a mainstream thing you know and and it's you know it, there's a there's a type of culinary exclusion that goes on because you know there's an inequality that the person who is maintaining a vegan diet has to pay more for the products and has to shop extra hard and and look in look a lot harder to find vegan products because you know society's not really set up uh, to cater for vegans currently now i don't know i hope the sound's going to be okay because the crows are we're in here we're in actually inside the grounds of trinity and the crows are crowing away in the background but we won't let them distract us christina so tell us a bit about uh what motivated you to start becoming a vegan and and like you know how long have you been a vegan hi yeah so i have been a vegan for two months now and my inspiration to go vegan actually started in college I have. I was given this assignment by my professor, wow. and it was for a general class. I had to do something about demographics, so I yeah. decided to look into the environment and especially look how environmental, how the environment was polluted and. I realized that... You're uh, not talking about cow farts, are you? I am talking about cow farts. <laughs> yes, indeed, that's what I'm talking about. I realized all the cow farts are killing the planet, and that was the moment. I yeah. just I just couldn't take it. Yeah. So I switched to a vegan diet, and I would like to consider myself as an environmental vegan. But it wouldn't... You. I mean, it wasn't because of cow farts that you became a vegan. Come on now, look, I mean... I mean, yeah, well, of course, also by head. I was, I was uh, taking into account my head, but mainly... I I was concerned with the environment. When but I also, went like, also, you were, you know, we have that we have that thing in common where we're both kind of cat people. Mm. So, like, you seem to have like a natural affinity towards uh, love and compassion and dignity and respect for animals. Yes, you know, like yes. myself. So, would that have been an influencing factor? Yes. In stopping eating meat and stuff. Yes. Also, that helped. That helped. Yeah. That was that was also a big big factor. But. Mainly, I felt I felt my 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 loyalty to the environment. That was that was the biggest motivator. I still want to say, yeah. Yeah, and like, tell me, like, um, when like, so that was two months ago. That was two months ago. Okay, so how was the transition? The transitioning into veganism was it like was it a shock to the system or was it was it difficult or like how easy or difficult was it like? So my transition, it was actually kind of funny. It happened because of this same professor. He suggested that, why don't you try veganism? And I thought he was being crazy at the time. Yeah. Because I thought, I was sure I couldn't do it. Why? How could I? And I actually looked into it. I spent a month in March preparing, okay. researching uh, very deeply and very heavily about veganism yeah. and I set myself for, up for a challenge My, I thought I was going to go vegan for one month for the month of April 
Uh, well, so I, when the first of April hit, I just switched like overnight. There, there was it. I was following a vegan diet, yeah. and I just, I just kept it after the after that month was over because it was that good. So, so when you like, what was the, what was the like, I guess like the first couple of weeks was was the did the system go into shock? Did you mm, miss yeah. meat? Did you miss meat? Were you tired? Like what? How did it affect your emotional management? and your energetics yeah so well the first three weeks that was that was my cleansing cleansing moment like a detox like a detox yeah yeah. yeah. and I have to tell you I do not miss meat at all at all and the only thing that I would have considered myself missing is seafood I yeah. was a big fan of seafood and every time I sa- smell seafood, it still gets me sometimes and I just, oh, we have to go, we have to go from here because I smell seafood and, you know, I would crave seafood. So is it like giving up cigarettes? You know, when you give up cigarettes, you never really stop wanting one. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm off cigarettes like about seven years, but I still have the occasional, I still end up having the very odd one if I'm out on a night or something and my friends smoke and want to go, oh, Jesus, give us one of them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it's kind of like that yeah yeah and and like um is there no such thing as vegan prawns no not yet not yet although they are planning on making a vegan tuna soon really? yeah i, I think it's uh, uh-huh. it was just launched in the uk not that long ago so is give it bill, a c- is bill gates gonna have anything to do with that <laughs> i don't know i'm not <laughs> sure who made that but there are some big companies who are trying to make seafood so it's just i would i just want to give it a couple of months hmm. maybe a year and it will be a thing over here as well because you were saying like uh, you were saying before that uh <laughs> that you went to to Burger King yeah. to have vegan chicken McNuggets or chicken nuggets was it? Yeah, yeah, it and was. What was that like? Uh, it was so funny. It looked like chicken. It tasted like chicken, but it was not chicken. It was made from corn, I think. But could you, if you had closed your eyes, would you have known that it was, if they put two chickens? No, I probably wouldn't been able to wow, tell the difference. I, I I wouldn't have been able to tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. They also have plant burgers, and you know, Burger King, McDonald's, Eddie Rockets. They all have a vegan option on the menu, at least one. Yeah. Yeah. So you can get like kind of culinary inclusion in those those, yeah. those establishments. Although I think there was one restaurant they had perfect starter, perfect main course, but no vegan dessert. Right. I think that's 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 one of the biggest uh, problems that there are yeah. not many vegan desserts around. Yeah. yeah. And tell us, um, uh, tell us, like, how, like, what was like logistic-wise? Well, actually, before we go on to shopping for vegans, tell me more about like the emotions attached to it, like, and your your kind of emotional well-being and your emotional mm. intelligence, and how has it affected the way you think and the way you feel? Okay, well, it was a real roller coaster, you know. When I first went vegan, I was super happy, confident. Uh, I thought it was like the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Yeah. But then things progressed and as time goes along, you know, 
I also felt at the same time I was a burden, uh, for example, when it came to the shopping, you know, or or, or cooking, you know, I, I often got that. I was excluded, it was a burden, it was... Was it a bit of frustration there? Yeah. Like you couldn't get the ingredients yeah. that you needed? You had to kind of, yeah, I'd imagine you had to kind of look extra hard, you have to go to kind of specialist mm-hmm. shops, you have to pay above the odds yeah. where everybody else is paying, yeah. but yet you're trying to do something really good here. Yeah, yeah, that's that was the case as well, yeah. So, so how did you kind of process those feelings, or like, what would your kind of yourself talk like? What was it like? What did you kind of tell yourself when, when that, when you'd you'd feel like that? Ooh, tough question. Uh, like how? Like what? The reason I'm asking that is because I'm interested to kind of know how you kind of didn't mm. give up being a vegan. Okay, well I didn't give up because my family and my friends they are all supportive. They are supporting me very much, and that helps me a lot. You know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, especially like when I was not feeling so well, my dad would uh, cook uh, uh, a vegan dish for me nice. and, you know, that would make me feel a lot better, yeah. you know, included in the family, not excluded, you know, it's just give a comfort uh, feeling. Because it's, it's it sounds very like kind of, it's, you know, what, what I went through giving up cigarettes, it's very difficult at the start, mm-hmm. you know, it's very difficult and there is like, there is a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings attached to it and, and you think the thinking can go kind of a bit negative like you know for me anyway so so what's it like like the logistics like and and what i mean by that like what's it like actually shopping for a vegan diet like shopping to get kind of vegan products Mm -hmm. and maintaining that kind of you know two or three meals a day and, and keeping it interesting yeah, well, uh, shopping, uh, shopping is 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 okay. Well, I mean, you can go to the local supermarkets like Tesco, Don Stores, Little yeah, Aldi. Like yeah. they would have the regular stuff uh, yeah. I would need for my diet. But in that moment, when you want something special, for example, like vegan eggs. Mm. Uh, I sometimes use them for cooking. You know, just to keep the bind the ingredients together. What's uh, What's in them? Uh, in vegan eggs. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't yeah, tell yeah. you. Because you were telling me about that really interesting thing, where you like it's a like, uh, like <clears throat> you kind of refine gluten. You mm-hmm. you it's set set um, set 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 uh, where you boil off the gluten and you can make chicken out of it. Was that, were you telling me about that before? No. No. no okay. I'll, call, I'll I'll tell you about that again. I'll have to Google it what it is. But uh, so did you find like you know shopping for vegan produce and uh, to maintain a vegan diet? Did you find um, it took more time or was it expensive or, or like compared to to like because I, mean, I imagine when you're doing an ordinary shop, you're you're on a, autopilot. You don't really have to think. You just have to turn yeah. up at the supermarket. Like well, no. When I go into the supermarket, uh, supermarket, it mm. takes me twice as long to do the shopping because I have to look yeah. at every packet, every ingredient at the back. Mm. I have to read if it's suitable for vegetarians or if it's suitable for vegans or both or none. I have to look for the ingredients, and when it's not suitable for vegans. I have to find out why is it not vegan, so what makes it only vegetarian. So I have to search for a lot of ingredients and especially like knowing like the colors and additives and all of those uh, extra added stuff. I had to learn that which one which one is not vegan and which one is vegan. Mm-hmm. 
so that that takes a lot of time uh, but and and it is also more expensive i have to admit as much as i don't want it to be it is a little bit more yeah. expensive yeah but at the same time i don't like to economize on food so it, it's not that expensive when you want to get it you know yeah and like so like just to kind of to wind it down i, I just wanted to kind of ask you like to give me can you give me kind of one massive plus about being a vegan and one kind of negative thing about being a vegan one massive plus of being a vegan is that my health is definitely better okay. you know my health is definitely better i used to have high cholesterol now i dropped down a little bit uh, so my health definitely is improving and the downside of veganism is sometimes the feeling of exclusion mm. feeling of exclusion okay Brilliant. other than that there is not much uh, downside of being a vegan what about um like vitamins and minerals do you have to like do you c- can you get enough vitamins and minerals f- naturally from a vegan diet or do you have to supplement okay so when somebody is on a vegan diet they have to be careful and pay close attention to b12 vitamin okay. because that usually comes from animal products and since i don't have any animal products uh, yeah. i don't have any b12 in my system but because i eat a lot of uh, foods uh, that are like fortified with b12 i i do get an off mm. b12 in my system without supplements at the moment okay at the moment yeah uh, and like it's interesting because after talking to people i've talked to a few vegans over the years and they do tell me that i don't know whether you agree with this but it'd be interesting to know that it gets easier as the longer you're a vegan it becomes easier and easier and easier <laughs> oh, to, yeah, to, I... to maintain it and and kind of i guess it's like doing anything new it's 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 dip- challenging at the beginning and then it gets easier yeah i definitely agree with that you know practice makes perfect so the more I- I- you into it the more experience you have the easier it gets yeah okay i agree yeah. because i'm only in two months Months, but it's already easier than in the first month, you know. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, Christina, thanks very much for uh, talking to us, and uh, best of luck with uh, your diet. Thank you so much. Thank you for interviewing me. Thanks. Righto, that's it for this episode. Next month, I'll be chatting with the whole hog, the best organic pork specialists in town. And I'll also be speaking with Ashleen about the brewing and fermentation process. Thanks to Dylan for looking after the sound production. And don't forget, if you want me to cover anything related to the podcast, you can email me on tobiasgunning777 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.